Hi, Dreamers. This is Janine. And Stephanie. And this is The Course of Course, Episode 70. Wow. I love it. For our listeners, it's been a little bit of time. Last time we did chat, Stephanie was in a different country. She's come back to good old United States of America. So welcome back, Steph. Thank you. Tell us how your journey was. My journey uh, in Canada was amazing. I had such a good time connecting with nature and the trees and just clearing my head and getting stronger in my communication with Holy Spirit. So that was all amazing. And now um, I'm back here in Los Angeles. My drive home was interesting. I ended up getting, I stopped in um, Ashland, Oregon to meet up with Mikey Lemieux. Shout out to Giddy Up Mike. And we were going to have lunch and I realized that I had food poisoning from the night before. And I, I, I ended up throwing up in the car and it came out my other end as well, which is very embarrassing. But <laughs> I went into the bathroom to like clean up and there was a hailstorm going on, which was crazy. I just had driven into California by then. And I thought, well, this is interesting. The hail is going to wash off the inside of the car with all its wetness. And then as I was driving down the road, there was tornadoes. So it kind of felt apocalyptic, however you say that word, where like, am I really supposed to be going back to L.A.? Because this doesn't (laughs) seem right. But in the end, um, when I took my car in to get maintenance, they're like, oh, you need this and you need that. And I ended up getting a new car. So I thought, great, now the maintenance is covered for free, and they have the car with the barf in it, and I no longer have it. Yay. That perfectly. It did. Oh, my goodness. One of the things that I got from Cindy and Gary's Patreons, which I've been doing, which encourage everyone to look into from their website, and also Jackie Laura Jones has a really great Patreon where they do talks and people pay a fee to um, help support their work um, was this little prayer, which I think was in DU that Gary express. He would say when he started off speaking and he still says it and they all three do, which is I am here to be truly helpful. I am here to represent him who sent me. I don't have to worry about what to say or what to do. Because he who sent me will direct me. I am content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. I type that out and I put it on my computer. So I see it every time I'm sitting and working. That's great. You have something similar. Share yours. Lovingly been referring to this as the Dr. Seuss prayer because it's rhymey. But it goes like this. Holy Spirit, help guide me today. In all that I do, in all that I say, in all that I think, in all that I feel, help me remember this world is not real. And I saw that. I believe it was on the Disappearance of the Universe um, Yahoo discussion group. So shout out to whomever posted that. I immediately aligned to it and started saying it out loud over and over again so I could commit it to memory. And it has now become the first thing I do in the morning. When I wake up, I say that prayer. I love that. That really helps you choose how you want your day to go from the beginning, like they're always coaching us. Absolutely. And it's short enough that I can remember it. 
and I can recall it during the day when I need it. Cause you know, we've talked about this before. I'm in a pretty chaotic work environment and I have been really feeling the dream pretty intense lately. Um, the dream being no fun as we continue as Course in Miracles students and individually trying to get past the whole ego that we are kind of like um, enslaved by, I'm finding myself being a bit more hard on my progress in terms of disappointing myself. So I'm working on that as well. When I get triggered at work or actually work is really the big trigger for me lately, I have to remember to be more gentle. I feel like I'm putting in a lot of time and effort on the course and I'm still getting tripped up. I'm still getting tripped up by the same ego uh, issues that I kind of feel like I was before. I'm much more aware of it, but that doesn't mean that the drama hasn't ceased yet. And we had talked about you know, this is a roller coaster. And at least in my work environment, I'm both appreciative of the many opportunities that are presented to me to transcend it. But I'm also annoyed by it because of all the opportunities that are presented to transcend. So, you know what I mean? It's like this, this again, duality, constant duality. Yeah, the ego is so vicious trying to keep us separate from our peace. And it's just constantly stirring up the shit. Um, I like to say a little quote or a reading from Lesson 129 that I read this morning, Beyond This World, There is a World I Want. Um, in the workbook it says, and I'm cutting into paragraph two, the world you see is merciless indeed, unstable, cruel, unconcerned with you, quick to avenge, and pitiless with hate. It gives but to rescind and takes away all things that you have cherished for a while. No lasting love is found, for none is here. This is the world of time where all things end. And one of the affirmations to repeat for today is, beyond this world, there is a world I want. I want to see that world instead of this, for here is nothing that I really want. My point is just that the ego in our script is just constantly pulling us into these dramas. And trying to make us suffer. Yeah, it's like the second we f- we notice our peace is gone, our only job and our only, I guess, right is that we can choose again. So I don't think there's a whole lot to do except just to keep giving it over. Keep giving it over to the Holy Spirit and be like, I know this isn't real. There's nothing really to figure out. I'm just going to keep giving it over to you. And I'm going to claim my right. Like, I want to choose the real world instead of this. That's actually a really good way of putting it. When I'm in a situation at work and someone is triggering me, it is very challenging for me to get to that place where I remember that I just created them in my dream. What I'm seeing outside of me is really just a reflection inside that's projecting out. And to remember that, you know, they're just me. They're just an aspect of me. And, you know, I have to remember to love me. And that is where I stumble the most when I, Janine, appear to me in a very unfortunate manner. I remember back in the day, um, Mother Teresa, she was asked why you are so kind and loving to, you know, these people on the street that hadn't 
you know, showered or bathed or whatever, they smell terrible and they're looking horrible. And she had kind of like this sentiment that I'm just staring at Jesus in all his distressing disguises. And it's like, she got it, right? I need to remember to get that, but it's the memory that is the challenge. And, you know, I got to say, probably the past week or so has been really challenging for me because I feel like I've mentioned this before in previous podcasts that I would create these work monsters and it never ends. So I will create a work monster and then they're vanquished over time. You know, I, I find a place of loving and then a new monster shows up just in a different package. And now I have to deal with that. So I'm dealing with this constant revolving door of these work monsters. So as time moves on, I just get more and more frustrated with myself. So I definitely have to find that love within me. Otherwise, this is just never going to end. Right. And you and I were talking about how this third dimension that we're in, this crazy planet, it's not designed for us to be able to be like, okay, we're good now, you know, because there's always going to be something else coming up. So it's just a matter of having faith in yourself and, and knowing that you will get through it and knowing that you will find that place of forgiveness. But as with all kinds of faith, it really does take commitment. And, you know, sometimes commitment is hard. Commitment is hard to like lose weight or exercise or whatever. It's something that can be done just making a decision. It's that decision making process that, you know, we don't always embrace. So, you know, it's been up and down for me, certainly for the past couple of weeks. It's felt a lot more intense lately. But, you know, I think it does help to keep talking about it and keep exploring course material, both. You know, there's so much good stuff out there. Gary Renard, Cindy Renard, Jackie Laura Jones, Jayam. Um, I'm reading a lot of Jayam lately. Tom Carpenter. When I go back to this stuff, it's really helpful because, you know, when I do have a, a low moment, it's always nice to be able to reach for something that at least the words will pull me back into the right way of thinking about it. As with everything, and I just want our podcast listeners to understand that we're, we're all in the same boat, right? So we need to just support each other and continue to help each other out by talking about saying some of these prayers or mantras or some of the material that has really helped us. And, you know, just being in this community has changed both of our lives tremendously. And I think we're both so grateful for that. Indeed. You know, an idea came to mind when you were sharing about the monsters that just keep coming up. And this idea was, they're coming up because you can handle them now because you do have the tools and mm-hmm. that you're burning off karma from other lifetimes. It's that um, interlocking chain of forgiveness that Gary talks about. Like maybe mm-hmm. these are all just amazing opportunities, even though it feels like shit to just mm-hmm. cause you're so strong that you can actually just, just be like, okay, here's one being surfed at me today and this one's being lobbied over here tomorrow and blah 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 but like you know what I can take it because I can just give them over because I know they're not real right no it's a good way of putting it I like that I had an incident happen a couple weeks ago where I made an appointment to get my nails done I walked over there which took me like 30 minutes um, I walk in the door and my nail gal is working on someone else who just walked in and I get I get a little mad like how dare this person so I go run an errand and I come back and they're still working on her it took 40 minutes that I was sitting there waiting 
and I, you know, I'm kind of like a tea kettle and I'm also going, okay, Holy Spirit, I know that there's a gift in this somehow, somewhere. So I want to be open to it and I want to give this muck all over to you because I know this is just the ego trying to screw with me. So as I'm sitting there, she had this book sitting out. She's counseling someone on the phone, which is another one of my pet peeves when people are on their cell phones in a small quarters talking personal stuff. Um, but this little book was sitting on the side and I, and I pointed to it and I said, can I look at this? And she said, well, I'm not supposed to, but okay. And as I started reading it, I just, I asked a question to myself and I just opened it up to the page cause I could see it was a spiritual book. And it turned out it was similar to the course. It was talking about a traveler and, and like a Jesus kind of person and how the traveler is going to have all these things that come up and it's going to be hard to deal with and how you got to turn within and ask for help, ask for help. And when she got off the phone, I, I said, tell me more about this book. And she said, well, I just graduated from the University of Santa Monica from their transpersonal studies program. I said, oh, my goodness. Do you know Cindy Laura Renard? Because she also did that program. And she said, no, but I've heard of her. And we ended up continuing to chat and she let me know that she's developed a her own interconnection with the Holy Spirit that she calls Bob and he guides her. And I said, isn't that funny? Like the name spelled forwards or backwards. It's always the same. Yeah. She's like, I never thought of that before. That was so cool. So it turns out she lives on 7th and I live on 4th and she's having a party tonight that she invited me to. And there's going to be all these spiritual people who've done that program. And I, I just I'm excited to go. And I thought, well, there was the gift when I was ready to to let go. And just how crazy that whole thing was. That is phenomenal. It's it's interesting that you transformed it like pretty quickly in the real world. So you were upset. You kind of tuned into Holy Spirit, there must be a gift here somewhere, and then it's presented to you. That's amazing. It was amazing. She also, you know, I was telling her how my career is in a transition now, and I'm hoping to produce TV shows, and she goes, yeah, and you were just waiting for the world to catch up with you, right? And I was like, that's what I always say to myself. <laughs> so she definitely was connected, whether it was to my higher self or, I don't know, the big pot of love. She gave me one idea for a show, which I already researched. So now I have another one in my tool belt. And it's like, yeah, man, gifts can be everywhere if we're just, I guess, open for them. Um, one of the conversations that's been driving me crazy is a couple years ago, after reading Maria Felipe's book, uh, Live Your Happy, I finally was open to experiencing how does love show up in the world and met someone within three days, and I've been dating him since. We call him Little Jay. It's been a while since we've talked about him on the podcast. So it's still kind of the same crazy conversation, which is I don't get enough sex, and it's not that great. And it just, like, the ego just hooks me because there's pockets of time sometimes where he just disappears for like a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks sometimes. And it seems to be kind of a pattern, but I never know where I'm at with it. Like, how come I'm not hearing from him? And where did he go? And is he like over me? Is he done with me? <laughs> and sometimes I'm just trying to like get through the day and I'm just 
having this conversation with him in my head that I want to have, which is a really good sign that I probably do need to have a conversation with him. But I'm just noticing that that's one of the things in my life that the ego uses as a weapon against me. And this time, when he's kind of disappeared for the last couple of weeks, I got my website done. So even though it kind of occurs like like he's dishing me or whatever, it opens up the space for me to create something new and different and powerful and something that needs to get done. So I thought this morning, like it really is a gift, like somehow the universe knows to pull him away so that I can focus on what I need to focus on. Because otherwise I'm like, okay, what am I going to cook for dinner? Is he going to come over? Do I have enough beer in the fridge? You know, what are we going to watch? on TV or, you know, like I get consumed. That's easy to have happen um, because we, um, as women, I think we kind of put a lot of care and forethought into how can we make an experience with our significant other, you know, fun and, and nurturing and all that kind of stuff. So it makes sense that we, I have the same issue, but in a different way. When we are with our significant others, we really want it to be a great time. And therefore, we put in effort to do that. And sometimes they show up and not a whole lot of effort is kind of like presented back to us. So, again, it's more like, why are we projecting that out? Right. So what is it about this experience that for whatever reason you needed. And I think you hit the nail on the head where, yeah, he does go away, but you know, you're, you're the one that's creating, you know, your outward experience. So you're also doing that so you can have time for yourself, even though emotionally we are very connected to our significant others. And we really do want them from an ego perspective to want us to desire us to want to be with us all the time. And when they do go away, um, it's, it is a little jarring. It's like, well, wait a minute. Are, are you no longer attracted to me? You're interested in me. So we have these internal conversations that are going on, but also on this other level, we're the ones that are creating our reality. So we're creating them to go away for a while and then come back. So it's a really interesting play that we have like drafted where people behave in a certain way. Like I was just talking about work and stuff. It's like, I have to own it. You know, I, I own the fact that this is Janine's, you know, experience. I can't get upset with somebody else in my experience that I cast in the role in the play, but my ego keeps saying you're separate. You're separate from them. You're separate from this guy. He's not doing what you want him to do. So it's a lot of stuff that's going on at the same time. And we, as course students are, always trying to step back and go, okay, hold on. What's really happening here? And it all comes back to one source and that's us. Yes. And who we're identifying with the crazy ego or the loving God. Right. And we're just designed in the world to always be in the world, which is going to be crazy. Right. (laughs) In so many forms of crazy. (laughs) But we do have that one last choice. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. It's true. In December, we're going to be having a really fun Renard family event here in Los Angeles. If anyone is in California or Arizona or New Mexico or Nevada or something and wants to drive in for it, it's going to be on December 7th. And it's called 
The sign of Christmas is a star, a course in Miracles Family Christmas. And it's going to be featuring Gary, Cindy, Jackie, Jackie's husband, Mark, and Cindy and Jackie's mother, Doris. And it's going to be all five of them presenting what it's like to all be practicing the course in a family setting. That is so cool. Are tickets on sale now? They are. It's through Eventbrite. It's going to be in West Los Angeles, Culver City, kind of near LAX at the Unity of the West Side. And it's on it's on all their websites. And plus, if you're signed up for their e-blasts, they usually promote it in that as well. And it's 95 bucks for the day. So it's not so bad. That's fantastic. Well, I know that we're going to go. We're very excited for it. We've been talking about that for months. Yes. And I invited Mikey to come down too. So if he can get some time off, he might be able to make it. That would be so fun. <laughs> so listeners, this is this is one you don't want to miss. If you ever wanted to visit Los Angeles or if you haven't met uh, Gary, Cindy, Jackie, Mark, and Doris, this is your opportunity. And then in 2020 of May is the big Course in Miracles conference that will be happening in Los Angeles. And all three of those, Jackie, Cindy, Gary, will be speaking. So that'll be interesting to have it in my backyard. Yeah, last year that was the Boston Conference. I loved the Boston Conference, I have to say. It was so much fun. There was a lot of people there from all over the world. And it was just lovely to meet people and talk and connect. It's really cool. Maybe we might have a little bit of presence there um, as the Course of Course podcast. We'll see hey, if we could just, um, you know, meet some of our listeners. And Yeah, we have tickets to go. So we're definitely enrolled to the weekend. We will be there. Whether I'm in L.A. making TV shows or somewhere else or no TV shows, which is also perfectly fine with me, because then I'll move to Texas and live with you and we'll do something different. Exactly. Go, Texas. <laughs> Where it's affordable. It's a crime that gas is almost $5 a gallon here and it's under $2 there. Yeah, that's insanity. But you know what? Thank you for bringing that up. Not necessarily the gas part, but the cost part. One of the things I've been kind of really thinking about, and, you know, I'm not alone. I'm sure most of humanity thinks about this, too. But, you know, as you get older and figuring out, you know, just the cost of living in third dimension and money issues and that kind of thing. It is such a large fallacy, I guess, that we all kind of perpetrate in terms of belief that money is so important. We have to have money to, you know, pay our rent and mortgage and we have to have money to put food on the table and for nice things. And how interesting I have created my experience as, you know, working adult, being, you know, a corporate citizen, having a paycheck for a company and Stephanie, you and I were talking about this the other day that how many times do you really find a job that's fulfilling? And a lot of our jobs, certainly in my experience with a a big company, is you go into work nine to five, but usually it's more like eight or seven to six. So most of your working uh, week is dedicated to doing something you don't necessarily want to do, but it's a transaction you've agreed to. You do something for them and then they pay you a paycheck at the end of the week or the end of two weeks. But it you really have to um, determine 
what is it that is worth that kind of time investment? And as we change jobs, you're going through that transition too. It really becomes, am I looking for the job that gives me the most amount of money? Or am I looking for something that is at least meaningful and it might not pay me as much? I hear this a lot. I see I'm on Twitter constantly where people are saying I was working for this big company. I was making all this money, but I was really miserable. And then I left. Now I'm like a freelance journalist. I'm not making very much money, but I'm so happy. I love those stories. I wish I could get to a place where the money aspect isn't as real to me as I feel like it is currently. It's a bit of a struggle um, understanding that money is an illusion just like anything else. But I do think we, at least in this country of ours, are very attached to that illusion. So California, unfortunately, is highly taxed. I think it's horribly unfair. Gas prices and insurance costs are not equally distributed. So just because you happen to live in California, you are exposed to kind of ridiculous prices where if you would, you know, get in your car and drive a few states to the east, you know, all of a sudden things are so much cheaper. Housing is cheaper and, you know, groceries are cheaper. Restaurants are cheaper. I don't understand that inequality and inequality is also something that whole injustice piece that we are constantly struggling with that becomes a big deal. And right now, I think California is really experiencing some challenges, not just with climate change and fires and all that kind of stuff, but it's the inequality of the pricing. And in some ways, some disrespect. California is the fifth largest economy in the world. And, you know, I still hear this now that I'm in Texas, people referring to California as, you know, they're crazy. They're just liberal. They don't really know what's going on. And I think if we could all just come to the same table and make some attempts to get to know each other and realize that we can't just make these broad statements with a broad brush about people. Oh, they're crazy. They're liberal. They're nutty. You know, it goes that goes right back to a work environment or a social environment. It's very easy to judge and kill off someone. Oh, no, they're stupid or, you know, I, I don't want to talk to them because they don't know what they're talking about, that kind of thing. It's like getting to the point where we can actually say they are me. So there's no point kind of um, judging them just because it is me showing up in a costume I don't necessarily like. Right. I, I think of Alexander Marchand, some of his books about how it's set up where we're slaves and it really does feel like slavery. Mm-hmm. And um, I am also thinking about just how the, how the government or how the U- United States is set up, which is similar to all other countries, which are, we have States. So just the fact of having States is a separation idea, the state against that state. And, you know, everyone gets equal votes, but, the number of people in California is, you know, compared to North Dakota, it's like, why do we get the same number of senators when, like you said, we're the fifth biggest economy in the world? Um, it's it's very unfair and lopsided from the get go. It was all in the design to keep us separated and not equal. I mean, how would it be if we had no state borders and it was just a global or a universal 
healthcare and gas and phone company, like everything was just reasonable. I guess that's the future. I don't know if that's utopia, if that will ever happen. But the fact that my medical insurance was a thousand dollars a month for me out of pocket. And since I'm unemployed, I can't afford that. So I'm paying out of pocket for, you know, doctor's visits, $275, the blood test, $200, the medicine, $550. And it's women's health. And it's like they cover Viagra, but they won't cover just regular hormone medicine. It's just so unfair. It's a really good point. It's that whole separation. Everything is separated. Everything is not me, you, you're the other. We're experiencing that in this country today, just the political climate. Either you're on one side or the other. So everything is set up where it's like you were saying, these state boundaries. It's ridiculous that we have these boundaries where it's like, oh, no, you know, you're Nevada, not California or whatever. Texas is a certain way. We don't like Texas because they like to shoot their guns or whatever. There's always something that we talk about and we all do it, right? It is endemic to who we are in our human experience. And that's why it can be so challenging to say, okay, I don't want to see, you know, the separation anymore. But to your example, when we are still in the dream and you still have to go to the doctor, that separation is real to us. So you still have that, oh, no, I don't have insurance and I have to pay this out of pocket. Now you're dealing with the realities, quote unquote, of um, the inequality of the way healthcare and big pharma are working with everyone. And that goes back to the whole thing about money and how it's a struggle to like maintain, you know, a, a Understanding that money doesn't have power, but yet we keep giving it power because extraneous sources are coming at us that are saying, hey, I need your gold coins and I need them now. Oh, you don't have any gold coins. I can't give you this food. So it's a lot of that going on. So as we experience this third world crazy planet of ours, the amount of conversation that a course student has to have with themselves to constantly remind them that this is not real. The external experience is what I'm projecting outward. So how can I fix that? It feels very large. It's a very large problem to solve because the universe is infinite. So it does help to kind of bounce the stuff off each other and talk about it. But then on Monday morning, I go to the office. You might have to go to the doctor. We're still having to to deal with it. So it's one of the reasons why the course um, is easy in terms of reading it and understanding it, but it's hard to apply it. Practice, practice, practice. Yes, which we all love so much, which is (laughs) why, you know, we like playing the piano, but we'd have to practice every day for X amount of, of hours to get really good at it. Which reminds me of a conversation we had yesterday or the day before about um, enlightenment and being in a body and how difficult it seems. But even people like Ken Wapnick, you know, he transcended, but it was really practically on the deathbed when he got to that that phase or that level of awareness. And it seemed so brutal that practically up until the point that Jay is on the cross 
with the nails in his hands saying, you know, the body cannot suffer, guiltless mind cannot suffer or whatever. But he's like coming in and out of the dream and into the body. And it, it is painful, but he's also like letting go at the same time. It's like it really is the last moment. And it's just it's a brutal place here. Yeah, I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think talking about, you know, um, Jay on the cross and, you know, we've surveyed a lot of material in Course in Miracles. And one of the things that I'm always looking for is in any book that I'm reading, how does Jay come across? I'm always looking to see how Jesus is portrayed in that book. And what I found is Jesus comes across fairly similar in the Gary Renard material, the giant material in Tom Carpenter, that's a similar Jesus that comes through. But I've read a couple other books where the Jesus that comes through is not. And that's really kind of like my gauge. I will read a book and go, yeah, that's, I don't align with that. You know what I mean? There are a lot of books out there and there, I'm sure a lot of really good channels. Sometimes, you know, we have to remember that Everything that comes through an author, if they're channeling it, obviously it's going through that channel, right? So that's why you're never going to get um, the same thing coming out the same way through a bunch of different people. But I feel like if they're really connected to source, the Jesus that comes through them is is pretty similar across the board. Might not be, you know, exactly the same carbon copy. But there's also stuff that comes through, and I'm like, what? This doesn't make any sense. So when you're talking about that, I, it reminded me when you were saying that Jesus was on the cross and he was going in and out. What I really appreciated about that is that is really coming from a lot of the giant material. And I appreciate the giant material because the Jesus that comes through giant talks about that in his last lifetime that, you know, he wasn't 100. He wasn't in, enlightened per se when he was born. He had to go through that same process. It's why he went away for many years with the Essenes and sat there and really tried um, hard to get to the point where he was at one with God. It was a journey. It wasn't like, boom, he's ready. He's just going to spend the next 33 years uh, perfect and just walking around saying hi to people. That's not how things progressed. So I loved and embraced the giant material for many reasons. But the Jesus story in it, to me, is the most special because it reminded me and helped me see that Jesus wasn't perfect. When we think of these enlightened beings, at least me, when I think of them, I always believe that, you know, they're perfect. They never have a negative thought. They never, you know, are hungry or fearful or experience pain in their body. And the giant stuff came through and basically said, that's that's not the case. I, you know, I went through this. Um, I was going in and out while I was on the cross. I did feel pain on occasion. So it's like that made me feel like, thank you. I feel like I can relate to Jesus a lot more now than I could in some of the other versions where he was just this perfect guy doing perfect stuff. And, you know, he, he died on the cross and everything was great, you know. Yeah, like he was a man still walking on the earth and he had obstacles like we all do. Yeah, and the giant material Jesus came through and basically said that, you know, as well to the reader. It's like, look, you know, it's okay. You don't have to be perfect. You do not have to be perfect. You can still find the place of enlightenment. You can still go through your last lifetime and have some issues. It's okay. 
I think we'll always have issues because that's part of the design. It's the opportunity to practice true forgiveness. And that's um, that's just how it is. Like without that, we we probably wouldn't be here. (laughs) Like we we would have transcended. I was also thinking about Bill Thetford because I was re-listening to Gary's Jesus and Buddha audiobook, which is out now. And his other audiobook for book two is also out now, Your Immortal Reality. It's on Audible, in case people didn't know. And Gary's third book is coming out on November 8th as audiobook, Love Has Forgotten No One. Yay! But in the Jesus and Buddha, he was saying something about Bill Thetford was the first person to graduate from the course in in terms of transcending back home to God. I thought that was really cool. That was really cool. And if I remember correctly, didn't he just uh, collapse like outside on his driveway or something? It was just like, boom, done. I don't know. I don't know. But his daughter, I think, is very involved, maybe like with the Foundation for Inner Peace or something. Somehow I think his kids are still very much involved. You know, there might be some enlightened people walking around on the planet. I'm not saying that there's not, but I don't I think that people are still in duality because this is a dualistic system. And there's moments of pure awareness and then moments of not the stronger you get. When everything is still, like Gary was saying, he must have had practice in past lives meditating because when he was in Maine, he was able to meditate without any training and actually stop all his thoughts where it was complete stillness. And I'm impressed by that because that's my biggest goal is, you know, peace to my mind, let all my thoughts be still, thinking that when they're still, this dream will be over and I'll wake up. The monkey mind's just always going. Oh, mine is. I am very challenged by that. I remember when we were at the um, the ARE in Virginia Beach. Um, for those of you, just a reminder, that's where Stephanie and I met. I just remember being around a bunch of, you know, like-minded people. And that was probably the last time I truly felt that I was pretty good at meditating. It's been so long now. I feel like there's so many thoughts in my mind when I do quiet myself. I have moments, but I really desire those moments to be minutes. So that's also an ongoing challenge for me, quieting my mind and getting back in touch with, you know, source. And also this is 2019. We started these podcasts in 2014. So this is our, I I don't know, we're in five years of our journey now. And one of the things that I truly am amazed by is When we first started reading Disappearance of the Universe, what a change our lives became. We read that actually in 2012 or 2013. I can't remember. I think it's 2012. Let's just say. Um, So it has been seven years that we've been on this journey. I just feel like our both of our lives has changed so significantly because of the Course in Miracles that, you know, I'm going back to Catholic Church have been recently. And it's not because, you know, well, I'm Catholic again. I just really appreciate being in a space for an hour where everybody is focused on getting closer to God. It's not that I go there because I like, you know, standing up and kneeling and, you know, singing and all that kind of stuff and the cadence of the masses themselves. It's just a space that reminds me that I'm connected to God. So the course itself is 
what is my North Star? It is the thing that is allowing me to have a framework to become a better person. But I'm also way more open and way more appreciative of things like church because it does remind me of foundational things. I grew up in the Catholic Church. I enjoy the music and some of the pageantry. And I kind of am mature enough now to ignore all the bad stuff that I didn't like before. Not that it was bad. It was just something that doesn't resonate with me any longer. The course has brought me a sense of calmness and peace that I never had before. So because of that, and because of these amazing authors and you, Stephanie, in this community that we've found ourselves in, we have been changed for good now. Whether we are able to transcend all of it, this crazy planet in this lifetime or the next, we now found the tools in which we can use to transform. We didn't have that before. So um, in order to move forward, I really do believe that everything was designed by you and I collectively and you and I individually to come to the course, to find these people, and thankfully to um, leverage what they are teaching us so we can move forward as well. I hope on some level that this podcast does help even one person listening just to see that we are both struggling but still making progress. And that it is okay if we stumble because I'm stumbling all the time. I stumble every day. But that moment, the one moment of calmness, that one moment that you're able to um, calm your mind and make it quiet and peaceful, it is like gold because it's it had been a challenge before and now it's like within reach. So for that, I really appreciate what you're talking about at Be Still My Mind it is a joy for me, and I, I really don't like using the word joy because I don't understand what that feels like emotionally. I know what it means kind of like on paper, but if there's any moment where I think what joy is, it is that moment of calm and peace where I feel at one with God. I just want that moment to extend. Indeed, I love that very much, which brings me back to beyond this world, there is a world I want. I choose to see that world instead of this for here is nothing that I really want. That's perfect. That's perfect. Actually, that's a, a really good way to kind of wrap up this podcast. Um, is there anything else we wanted to provide to our listeners before we go? Um, just check out Audible to get the audiobooks for Gary. He's got the new Art and Impersa voices, which are amazingly talented actors. They do so good. And to come join us in L.A. in December for the family day. So excited for that. It's like almost a month away, so counting the days. Well, again, Stephanie, thank you so much for being my partner on this journey. And thank you, listeners, for hanging in there with us. We appreciate you. Feel free to stop by at thecourseofcourse.blogspot.com and let us know if you have any ideas for future episodes or if you have any questions for us. We'd be happy to answer them. So until next time, thank you very much, listeners. Good night.